All right, welcome back to the Adventist City Ministries podcast. It's Andrew. And it's Jeff. And I'm praising God today because he's good, he's great, he's wonderful. Amen. And I'm also thanking him because I'm taking a look at the statistics here, statistics of the Adventist City Ministries podcast, and we've got listeners from the United States, from Canada, Australia. In the U.S., there's, let's see, um, Pennsylvania's probably, you know, got our biggest listenership, but then also there's folks from Maine, California, Michigan, Massachusetts, in Canada, Nova Scotia, British Columbia, Alberta, also some folks from Honduras and the Philippines. So we just want to say thank you to all those listeners out there, everyone for for tuning in uh, each time we have a, a new episode, and and uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. So please continue to send your feedback and any comments, questions you guys may have. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Very good. So today we're going to be taking a look at the sinless nature of Jesus and how that affected his life and what that means for us today. So where are we going to start, Jeff? Well, we're going to start uh, first by just uh, reviewing a little bit where we've been so that we can set the stage for it. And uh, we're looking at the aspects, the different aspects of justification uh, or uh, the gospel and how important these uh, five phases of Jesus' life are to us in understanding what he's accomplished on our behalf. Remember, this is what Jesus has done, um, and it has nothing to do with us. We don't contribute anything to it, and so it's, it's good for us to take a look at it so that we can just bow down in adoration and praise to him because, you know, he did this for humanity. And so last time we talked a little bit about, like, how he qualified for this, by becoming a man and having hum, human humanity within him, but also being divine. And today we're going to, you know, look at the law, the royal law or the universal law and see how he had to qualify with regards to that to be our savior. Yeah. Sometimes we get this picture of sinlessness. You know, I, I think of these, I, I think of films from the past that portray Jesus in this almost very, distant kind of starry-eyed uh individual you know with but not with a lot of emotion right and you know he's going around saying verily verily and and it's just very unhuman in a way yeah in fact he was very human I mean, I, I, I once saw a um a video that was done on the the book of Matthew and uh, Jesus was smiling and laughing a lot in that video, and it bothered mm-hmm. some people, you know, that they, they couldn't wrap their heads around the idea of that Jesus. But I kind of like the idea of Jesus having joy and, right. you know, he was a man of sorrows. Right, and he I didn't have a British that. accent. No, he didn't have a British accent either. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, what we're, what we're looking at here is, this is the reason, because these five points that I talked about are the reason that, that that's Jesus' whole history and the Bible teaches that his history is substituted as my history when I believe in him. And so I want to know, what we want to know is, what is it about each one of these things that, uh, you know, completely takes care of, you know, the situation I find myself in so that uh, we can spend eternity together with him. That was his whole purpose in doing this. So. Today we're going to look at, you know, what does the Bible say about Jesus and his life? He didn't live very long on this earth. You know, he was, 
here for 30 plus years and uh and um, most of those years we don't have much record of but we do of his ministry years and so we're, we're going to look at the bible specifically and with authority points out you know uh, exactly how his life was with regards to the sin problem. And that's what we, okay. we need to recognize. So we're going to start in with the, the law, and we're going to look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23, where we, we can learn about a truth with regards to sin that is universal. That is to say, it's the same here, it's, same, it's the same in the rest of the universe as well. Yeah, I've got it here. It says... For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, okay, we're going to focus on the first half there, even though the second half is also part of the good news. But we're going to focus on the first half, and that is the wages of sin is death. What does that mean to you, Andrew? What do you think about when you hear that? Well, the, it's like the product. It's the end result. And sin is really the, the absence of, of God. And, you know, it's us left to our own devices without his direction. It's, and it's ultimately chaos and disorder. Yeah. Do you think it means anything that it's singular there, the word sin? If I was to guess, I, I would think it's more about the condition of humanity rather than, you know, just one person's individual unrighteous act. Yeah. Which we would call sins. Right. Like, are the things so, that yeah, we do. Sins as, you know, our, our, our personal uh, misdeeds against other people and God, but then the whole concept of of the condition of humanity and, and how sin has affected us. Yeah, and so that is our condition. So the wages or this is what we deserve because of that, and that is death. And, and death, it, that also takes on, you know, a connotation or a, a concept that mm -hmm. we have to deal with. It could, could be the truth, the fact is, is that we live and die here, but I don't think it's talking about that, that kind of death. I think it's ultimately talking about the second death. The wages of sin mm -hmm. is the second death. And we need to know that. That means like dead forever, trying to simplify right. this as much as possible. So we find ourselves humanity, because when we, we look at this, we find ourselves in this problem. It's because we can go back a few pages in Romans, back to chapter 3. And Andrew, if you'll read that one, Romans 3, verse 23, we can find that it's, this is the problem for all of humanity. Right. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, so that doesn't leave anybody out, does it? All is all. All is all. And uh, so that also means by putting those two verses together now, we can say that all have sinned and that all deserve to die. Yeah, not just uh, all in, in this current time period, but all, all people throughout history since Adam, since, right. he, since he fell. So we, now we can look at it and we can say humanity has a big problem, right. right, from beginning to end, and that all sinned and all deserve to die. Humanity was put under the, this universal law that suggested that we deserve to die a second death, which is, you know, ultimately complete separation from God for right. eternity. But the good news is, is that this is what Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit contrived together to fix the problem. And we call it the gospel. It's the good news. Uh, it's mm -hmm. what God, what they've done on our behalf in order to um, fix this 
essentially, to fix the problem. And it started with them doing, actually coming up with the plan. I think we talked about it before, before the earth was even formed because God could look ahead and see the problem coming. Exactly. But even that point points to his love, right? Because he could have just cut it off then. I messed up. I, yeah. I, I got to start over. Like, I'm just going to throw this away. Yeah, and who but would argue? Do and who would argue with God? <laughs> and you know, we would never know right. because we would be out of existence. In fact, he could destroy the whole universe and start all over, right? And nobody would know. But God has this infinite love. His love is as big as He is, and His love for us is that big as well. And so, they chose roles in the what we call this plan of salvation, and Jesus chose to be the one who came here to be born as a human, and Philippians has a lot to say about that, and then to live a life that wasn't subject to this law. Okay, so... So how did, how did he uh, live that life then? Like, what, what, was it, what does that look like? What, what was his daily existence like then? Well, we can look at... Well, let's look at it first from the, the perspective of from a, one of the prophets looking forward. If, you know, if you have your Bibles turned to... Isaiah chapter 53 and Isaiah looks ahead there and there are several great passages and I that uh, point to Jesus but this one speaks specifically to the issue that we're talking about today so Isaiah 53 and worth uh, we'll be looking at verse 9 yeah that says and they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. It's the last two sentences that kind of um, point forward to and prophetically to how Jesus lived his life. He did no violence. There was no deceit in his, ma- his mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to believe that that could be true of anybody, um, but it was in the case of Jesus that he lived his life that way. And this, this chapter is wonderful in terms of like looking at the rest of what he did. If we start with verse 4 and 5 and 6, we can see that, you know, what exactly Jesus did on our behalf. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Yeah, verse 4, 5, and 6 say, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So this kind of describes what we were talking about. We are in big trouble. Humanity is in big trouble. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus came to take our iniquities. And in the, in the meantime, the way he qualified to do that was by not sinning himself. There right. was no sin in him. Now, when we think about people being you know, good people, we may allow certain you know, tolerances, like, oh, we, we say, oh, that, that guy's a good guy. We may know that, you know, they've told lies and done horrible things to people at some time, but they've, you know, moved past that. But that's not what we're saying about Jesus, you know, to think about somebody who has never 
you know, even looked at somebody in the wrong way or, you know, smirked or who, uh, you know, held no ill will or grudge, uh, you know, that sense of perfection, you know, what, so I guess, I guess my question is, you know, what does perfection really look like? Cause we have this kind of human concept of it that it's like, oh, this person's perfect. And, but often that's like an idealization, but Jesus, he was actually and truly and completely perfect. Yeah. One of the clearest statements about that's in first John, um, chapter three and verse five. It's, I mean, it just comes John who was, you know, very close to Jesus makes an incredible statement uh, in verse five. It says, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no sin. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's a pretty amazing statement that he was um, manifested to take away our sins. We talked about that Mm -hmm. in Isaiah. And then it comes right out and says, in him, there was no sin. Now, how does that happen over the period of 30 plus years in an individual? That's, you know, I mean, we're going to look at other verses to to see if this is just the, the outlier, but it's not. It says Peter, and these are some of the closest disciples to Jesus are Peter and John. But first Peter chapter two, verse 22 says something similar to that about the, you know, about Jesus life. Yeah. Who committed no sin? It says he who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Right. And so that's a, Peter's repeating Isaiah 53 and he's applying it to Jesus himself. You know, he's just saying that this is, this is what Jesus was. This is who he was talking about back in Isaiah, this guy. And so, you know, these are the two closest people to Jesus. And I have to imagine that they, um, above all the other disciples, watched his every action, all those things that you just previously talked about, and in him they could find no sin. They could find no sin right. in their friend. Even, well, even I think of secular people, right. like Pontius Pilate, saying, you know, I find no fault in him. It's like, wh- why are you guys trying to crucify him? Right. You know, Andrew, and that, you know, we had a great lesson together earlier today, and it point, we, we pointed out that when the church begins to act like Jesus, the world finds no fault in them either. And so this same kind of Christ in you becomes a real reality for the body of Christ when we begin to take on Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Hebrews teaches us that he, uh, as our high priest, he he was sinless as well, Hebrews chapter 5. And so we find many verses, and 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 is another one that talks about what we're talking about today. We can, if you can get to that, we can read it, Andrew. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. As we're going through these texts, it's a good idea for you to be looking them up for yourselves and jotting them down and so that you can go and share this with somebody else. Yeah, this is one of my favorite verses. It says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. So it's sort of like an exchange, isn't it? It seems like almost like we become righteous because of him, because he takes on our sins. And yet he knew no sin. 
right it's he, pretty... he's freely giving his you know spotless record you know if they're and i have a lot of thoughts on that but go ahead share us some of those thoughts even even but even our human language of you know this like switcheroo or exchange isn't quite adequate because no, it's, not. it's it's so so much more than that because here is not just you know one individual obtaining the the holiness and righteousness of Christ but it's all of humanity and not just living people either even at the time of Jesus but it's all of humanity since Adam obtaining this new condition this new state this new way of life yeah there is no adequate words to describe that that's it's it's just it's unsubdued love it's just perfect love being manifest on our behalf god is a god about life and he's seeking a way to give us life and the only way that he could come up with is that jesus would actually become sin for us in our place and put his righteousness within us so now the history up to this point right my history now has been as i believe in jesus is no longer my history Mm -hmm. so it's no longer our history it's no it's, longer our history it's not our uh it's not something that we necessarily need to, need to wrestle with and feel like oh i've got to overcome this and i need i need to you know redeem myself from all my poor character traits or whatever it may be no it's 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 now as god looks at us he all he sees is the history of jesus which the bible says was sinless and perfect you know, there's a lot of people out there who struggle with perfection and they need to understand that the perfection the Bible calls us to is the perfection that was in Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and is given to us freely in the gospel as we believe. It's amazing. This is amazing stuff. It just, I mean, I get thrilled just thinking about it. It reminds me of that verse that says, be perfect. Yeah. Like your father in heaven is perfect. And it goes back to the earlier statement about, okay, well, what does that perfection look like? It's not so much um, this kind of strict rule keeping that is, uh, that brings you favor with God, but it's submitting to what Christ has done and then allowing his life and love to, to live out its purpose in you so that his love can move through us and in us and and be the the motivating factor of our life so being perfect like like god is perfect means loving the way that he loves that's right freely and generously and you know a lot of people are probably wondering well how did jesus do this you know is it unfair that he was uh you know that he was all 100% human but 100% divine did he have an advantage over us and right. the answer to that is as we can find in in the old testament it's in isaiah chapter 11 it tells us that something uh, about jesus that he wasn't um while he had the divine prerogative within himself but that he had the same opportunity that we did or made himself avail uh, availed himself of the same opportunity as we it says in verse two, it teaches us about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it says the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So when we, when we look at Jesus, we understand that the Holy Spirit was working through him. That's the same power that we have available to us today to live our lives as well. In fact, Paul uh, says it in Romans chapter 5. It's a beautiful statement after um, 
helping us to understand what, what we're studying, uh, and that is justification or the gospel, he says the first thing that happens then in Romans chapter 5 is that in, in verse 5, it teaches us that the similar thing happens to us that happened to Jesus. Right. Uh, so this is Romans 5, verse 5. Yeah. It says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So the step, so to speak, is that once we believe that Jesus has done this on our behalf, then the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that lived in him, now is poured out on us or in us and on our behalf. And what does he pour into us? He pours into us the love of God which is so necessary in my life. I don't, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I need God's love to be inside of me. And so part of this process of what God is trying to do, because he's trying to teach the whole world of this good news, right, is that when you and I believe, the Holy Spirit pours the love of God into our hearts. Agape is poured in us, and we become conduits of that to other people so that we have yeah. the, the chance to, to share with them this good news of salvation. This is important, an important part. It, the law had to be answered. The universal law had to be answered in order for any of us to be saved. And it was answered in the life of Jesus Christ. And so we shouldn't bypass these things in our understanding. In fact, this one, it's just beyond comprehension, you know, that Jesus went through his whole life. And this was true of him. And it's interesting because... I think so much of human inclination is to, uh, once we find something precious, we want to take it and we want to either keep it for ourselves or commoditize it that, you know, we can, you know, almost sell it or, you know, we package it, you know, oh, well, I can rebrand this as my own thing. But the nature of God's love is not the opposite, but it's like the absence of that, you know, it's, no, this is something that is organic and it's free and it's naturally, uh, it naturally promulgates and and just dissipates to the you know through the 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 least the path of least resistance and it's something that just naturally grows out and and goes to others rather you know which is completely opposite to our nature of wanting to keep things for ourselves and you know control it but. God's love is, is so much beyond our control, and, and, and it's what changes us, not that we change it or right. control it. It makes me think more and more that every day I need to start my day by asking God to fill me with his spirit. That I, you know, because as you encounter people during the day, you don't want to encar- encounter them with your human character. Mm. You know what I mean? Because we still have the tendencies right. a that, snickers isn't going to fix that no it's not going to change us but if we're filled with the fullness of god you know i mean that's what uh, paul asked for in ephesians chapter 3 he says i need to be filled with the fullness of god and we're filled with the fullness being uh, he's speaking of is his love his agape mm. then our encounter with people becomes astounding like it was in the life of jesus now we can look at all the stories of jesus knowing that every place he went he was basically sharing his father's love with the people he encountered, which is unconditional love, 
That's what agape is. And I think when people come into contact with that kind of love, they're astounded, at least, you know, and I, I don't even come right. close to that with people. But I understand that you give people a little bit of love as we understand it, and it can change their, their outlook you yeah. know, in life. All the, all the Bible stories you can think of where Jesus had encounters with people, and then at, towards the end it says, and all the people marveled or wondered, and they were exactly how, how you describe. Yeah, they were touched by love. And that's the whole story we're seeing here is, is we've only gotten through two parts of all the things that Jesus has done on our behalf and that he chose to be born a human being. And, and now we find that he lived a sinless life, the sinless, spotless lamb of God that, that takes away the sin of the world. We've only gotten through two parts, but we can already see how much he loves us in doing that. And of course, uh, the next couple lessons probably we'll spend is on the most typical thing we look at when we consider the love of God, and that is Calvary and the cross. So, but, you know, as we add all these things up together and we see what God has done for us in, our con- in the condition he found us in and through his son Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, we can, you just have to rejoice you know, because, you know, it's just a matter of belief that gets us there and, and moving on that belief. And, and uh, every, so every day, as the Bible says, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith? Every day our job is not to think about, oh, how can I overcome my sins today? How can I do this? But mm-hmm. to struggle with um, our faith, and that is to say, to just to, 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 to spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer over our belief, you know, and in, in our confidence in Christ. And, uh, and that's where the struggle is, because if, if you were the devil, where would you aim your darts? It would be at the faith of the individual. Right, that initial connection. That connection. If we don't have that, then he can, you know, manipulate us into thinking that it's, uh, you know, about us. So this is a wonderful lesson. We look forward to the next one on the Calvary and study the text through for yourself and learn about how much God loves you and has loved you in Jesus Christ. Yeah, as we go forward, it's, yeah, we can challenge ourselves and think, okay, today I don't have to concern myself with even thinking about, okay, how, how can I be loved by God? But today, just to know you are loved by God, to understand that it is a you know, present reality, and then we can go forward with that and say, okay, how can I take that love and show it to other people that are in my life? What, uh, God, show me what you know, kind of influence I have today over uh, the world around me, those around me, and how can I show them what I've already been given and what is already a reality. You know, I would just add to that, Andrew, because a lot of people struggle with this, and that is, is that there's nothing you can do that can make God love you more than he already has. He's loved you with all the love he possibly can in his son, Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm, I'm not discounting the idea that God doesn't want to make your life better, but that's also his <laughs> job to do. 
And so I just, my prayer for anybody who's listening is is that they can just fall into the arms of Jesus and understand the great love he has had for them, what he's done on their behalf, that their sins are no longer things that are separating them from God, that Mm -hmm. we've been reconciled. And then on top of that, they can begin to believe, well, maybe I can help with this by reaching others. So, okay. Well, thank you and God bless till next time. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Visit AdventistCityMinistries.com for more resources, including a study guide, reference compilation, and free downloads of our book, The Ephesus Model. You can also listen to other presentations and episodes of this podcast. See the show notes for links and more information. Thank you.